New York ain't New York anymore. How I miss those old pals of mine. The United States of America goes to great lengths to recover the remains of those who fall in battle, to offer a headstone, a final resting place that loved ones and patriots can visit to honor their sacrifices. But what about those who fall and can't be identified, who give everything for their country, even their names? Hello, history lovers, and welcome. I'm your host, Dean Carianis, and this is the History Author Show on iHeartRadio. And a special tip of the hat to everybody watching today's interview via YouTube. In this episode, our time machine welcomes aboard readers age 7 to 97. And it occurred to me that maybe there are some 100-year-old people that are here listening today or watching. I did interview somebody, so I figured I'd pull his book off the shelf. This gentleman was 103 years old when I interviewed him, Jim Downing. His book is The Other Side of Infamy. He was a veteran of the Pearl Harbor attacks. So the Memorial Day weekend is the perfect time for us to remember men like Jim Downing's comrades who fell in wartime. That's why I wanted to fast track this episode so that I could upload it for all of you on Memorial Day. This three-day weekend isn't about cookouts and beaches opening for the summer. It's about remembering the fallen. And since 1937, an elite body of guards began the round-the-clock vigil that does just that and has continued unbroken until the present day. And yes, they were even doing it during the pandemic when no one was there to see them. What they do is so steeped in tradition, and it's dedicated to honoring our nameless war dead. Our guide on this journey to one of the most sacred places in the United States, nestled within Arlington National Cemetery, is Jeff Gottesfeld, who brings us the illustrated history, 21 Steps, Guarding the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. You can find him at jeffgottesfeldwriter.com, as well as the Tiffle social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Jeff Gottesfeld is a man of many talents. He's a novelist, playwright, screen and TV writer. His work has earned awards from the American Library Association, the Writers Guild of America, and the National Council for the Social Studies. But he's also a patriot. He's somebody who loves his country, and he really cares about this tomb and about remembering the fallen. Illustrating the book is Matt Tavares. He's an author illustrator who has brought us books you've probably seen on shelves, especially if you are parents. Those books include Hank Aaron's Dream, There Goes Ted Williams, Becoming Babe Ruth, and the New York Times bestseller, Dasher. How a Brave Little Doe Changed Christmas Forever. You could find him at matttavares.com. Or you can go to the historyauthor.com page for this episode, and I will link all of their social media accounts so you don't have to go track them down. All right, now that we've arrived at hallowed ground, let's join Jeff Gottesfeld and meet the guards who honor our fallen with each of their 21 Steps. And here we are with Jeff Gottesfeld. He's the author of 21 Steps, Guarding the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Thank you so much for making the time to meet up with the History Author Show. Thank you for being interested to talk to me about this book. 
Well, as soon as I got the email and I get thousands of them, literally, I said, boy, Memorial Day is the perfect time for this book, even though it was just a few days before, really, and I knew it wasn't much time to turn around and I was on vacation. I thought the least I can sacrifice is a little of my free time. When you read this book and you're so moved by the sacrifice, not just of the unknown that are interred there, but also of the soldiers who commit themselves to honoring them with each one of those 21 steps and all of the pageantry that they do. Like myself, I know, Jeff, you didn't serve in the military, but also like me, you feel a great debt to those who do. So I want to kick off with your moment of inspiration, and that was Memorial Day 2016. That was the one when you thought maybe there's a book in this. So what was your first step on this journey to writing 21 Steps? It was. So, you know, there's a specific impetus to writing it, and then there's sort of a thematic impetus to writing it. And the thematic one came first, which is when I was growing up in Bergen County, New Jersey, uh, in the 60s and early 70s, my general stance toward the American military was one of great skepticism. Uh, I participated in anti-war protest marches when I was in middle school that ended up at Fairleigh Dickinson University where Joan Baez sat. As I got older and came to see the world more completely and more clearly, uh, I came to the inevitable conclusion that the United States military is one of the great forces for good on, on the planet. And we're a big country, we've got lots of problems, we're a big military, there are problems, but in general, it's an enormous force for the best, which is why I think it's, it's one of the most highly respected institutions in the country. So with that stance, I went to, started going probably right after 9-11, I started going to national cemeteries on Memorial Day, no matter where I lived. Nashville, I went to the small one uh, behind Fort Douglas in Salt Lake City. And then in Los Angeles, I started going to the Los Angeles National Cemetery, which is big, 90,000 people. I was there with my de facto wife and de facto stepdaughter uh, on Memorial Day 2016. It was crowded for a lot of people at the ceremonies and to find a little quiet at some point I wandered away and started wandering amongst the headstones and I looked down and I saw a headstone that had on it unknown and I walked further and I saw another unknown headstone surprised me I didn't expect that at Los Angeles National Cemetery flashed me back to when I was a teen uh, and had visited Arlington and the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it in decades, probably. And I was like, I don't know anything about this. How did it come about? Why did we start this? And the tomb guards, who are those men and women? Where do they come from? What do they do before they do this? How did they get trained? Why are they so precise? By the time I left the cemetery that day, I was committed to writing this book. It's really something how that stuck with you. And I realized that that's really a transformative experience. The first time you understand what that word unknown means. Usually you're walking in a graveyard and you, you see this person and you do a quick math in your head and you say, oh, they lived their life on this little 
hyphen that's in between those years they were born and died and it'll give you a little bit about them at least beloved father beloved son something and then there's that word unknown and all those headstones exactly like every other that just says unknown and i know for you and i know now from reading 21 steps that that meaning that you want to pass on especially to young people in the book is something unifying because in the end we may have that little patch of ground. We may be known or unknown if someone's serving, but it's really a unifying story. And that's uh, something you clearly sought out to tell here in 21 Steps. It's because the unknown is unknown. You know, if it were, if we had exhumed somebody at random, you know, and that person was from Texas, let's say, Texans might feel a greater claim. Or if the person was Jewish or LDS or Catholic, someone from those groups might feel a greater claim. In the unknown nature of the unknown soldier from World War I and then World War II in Korea, that unknown soldier belongs to all of us equally. So when you go to the plaza in, in Washington and you're there, there's this collective longing for connection with that unknown soldier and everyone feels it's remarkable what kind of an experience that can be i wanted to mention that 21 steps if people are listening the title it's spelled out it's not the number two one and you chose that for your title and i can see somebody along that long publishing road saying to you well that's a little tough to look up there may be other things named that it's it's not really a standout thing doesn't hit you in the head right away. I don't know if that was your experience. That's why I'm asking, because I'd like to know how you chose that title rather than something just about the tomb itself. What are those 21 steps and what does that title say to you when you first hold that book in your hands? I think the title chose me because I got it immediately. I mean, often titles change as you work through the process of a book. And I worked on this book for, for quite a while, including a couple of uh, couple of false narrative starts, which we can talk about a little bit later. But to me, you know, first the idea of the 21 as a sign of honor, there's a reason for it. It goes all the way 600, 700 years ago when a warship would enter a port in peace it typically had seven guns on its deck and it would fire blanks. It would fire, fire seven shots out to sea. And then the shore battery, which could reload more quickly, would fire 21 shots. So those 21 shots in peace became the number of the highest honor. And the duty of the tomb guards, it's full of 21s. 21 steps across the map, 21 seconds of silence facing the tomb for 21 seconds in silence, turning back 21 more steps. It is, we have 21 gun salutes for presidents, foreign heads of state, and the unknown soldiers. So the title was right in front of me. There's something about it, about those steps and the repetition too, that I noticed from watching one of the videos of the ceremony. And that's how the ground is worn. Well, it's not ground. The granite, I suppose it is, is worn. 
that's how many times think about think about how much it takes to wear down granite you have it well, a little bit worn in very 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 old buildings but that tells you the dedication and how this has gone on ceaselessly even during the pandemic correct they didn't there's no one there to see them but they still continue out of dedication to the well, unknowns that's the marvel of it i mean they've been out there since midnight on july 2nd 1937 and as i say in the book before many few or none and it's the same level of exactitude and precision dedication and reverence and honor, whether the plaza is filled with people or it's empty. And you are right, it was empty through all of COVID. Probably not what the tomb guards expected when they signed up. It didn't matter. You know, they are out there. It's not really to put on a show. It's first they're actually guarding the tomb because you know we're people and some people don't act the way they should on the plaza. Um, but they are there to give their very, very best in the memory of men who gave everything, including their names and faces, absolutely everything. And such a message to all of us, but especially children. You are impressionable at that age. You're, by nature, you're involved with childish things, small things, TV things, and your characters, and your toys, and your friends who they seem so serious and uh, things when we're kids. And then you look back later, you, you get a little older, you can't quite even remember their names. So I think to see this, to see these children grow up to be men and women who decide we're going to dedicate ourselves to this, that's so special. You know, what's interesting too is that you know, this book I'm starting to feel that it's the, it's the first introduction for kids. And when I say kids, I'm not sure I would give this book to a kindergartner or a first grader. I mean, third grade and up. That it's the first introduction for them to what I would call tomb guard values, you know, which were at some point maybe the values of Boy Scouts when, when the Boy Scouts of America were a much bigger thing in, in the country. And, Girl Scouts, the, the same thing. You know, this is a book where the values of being a tomb guard, I mean, I, I've got the greatest respect for the values of, of, of compassion and, and kindness and tolerance. Um, kids today, they've gotten a much better education on that front than I ever had. They are kinder and more compassionate and more tolerant than I will ever be. I was taught to be. However, those aren't the only values. And when you think about tomb guard values like, like honor and sacrifice and gratitude and appreciation and self-effacement, because that's what the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is about. It is self-effacement, literally and figuratively. And then the tomb guards on the map, they don't want to stand out. It's not a place for creativity. It's a place to be the same in service. And the values resonate with kids. They, they get it. They know it's important. They just may never have read about it in a book like this. And it's something that I think maybe we shy away from, which brings us to your illustrator, Matt Tavares. Oh. He said that I think kids are 
able to handle a tough thing a lot more than grownups give them credit for. And I always want to mention the illustrator in part because sometimes we dismiss things and we say a picture book and we mean it in a pejorative way. But that's certainly not the case here. The images speak to us. Since publishers usually keep the artist and the author separate, I wanted to ask how your collaboration went to bring this really beautiful book, 21 Steps to Life. It was actually more collaborative than a number of other projects that I've done on my first picture book, The Tree in the Courtyard. I mean, which had great success. I mean, you know, everything I do should be that unsuccessful. Peter McCarty, who's a Caldecott Honor winner, was my illustrator. I never talked to him. Never had a conversation with him. Never never sent him an email directly. I got a couple of questions from him, uh, relayed from the publisher, and I sent them back to the publisher who sent them to Peter. That's the way he worked. Working with Matt was a little different. First of all, he's an incredibly talented uh, illustrator and artist and a good writer as well, um, with with a gift for stories of Americana. It's uncanny. I don't know how he does it, but he was exactly the right illustrator for this. He threw himself into it. He visited Arlington at various seasons from the outside, and then I was able to arrange for him to go into the tomb guard quarters, and he looked at the historical photographs. I mean, the, the, the shot inside the Capitol Rotunda from 1921 you know, with the illustration in the background of Cornwallis surrendering to, to Washington at Yorktown, and then this this, this multi-hue crowd, you know, gathering, looking down at, at the casket in, in sort of somber reference. I mean, it's just breathtaking. You could frame these illustrations and, and, and put them up as artwork. He got it, and we worked together with tomb guards and with the Society of the Honor Guard, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, to make sure this thing was as close to perfect as possible. I'll give you a couple of examples. First of all, there was an illustration that was a long shot of Arlington, all these headstones. And in the text, we talk about flowers on graves and pebbles on headstones. Pebbles on headstones is typically a Jewish ritual. The original artwork had pebbles on some of the distant headstones on headstones with crosses. No one would have noticed if we had let it go through. It didn't, who would have looked? No, Matt fixed it. There was another illustration where, where tomb guards wear like a buck strap. It's a, it's a historical artifact going, going back a long time as part of their uniforms. The buck strap in one of the illustrations may have been a little far. We got it perfect. And, and Matt was willing to do whatever was necessary to make sure the artwork was, was perfect. I mean, if you, he did something secret on the book he didn't have to do. If you take the cover off, the cover shows Arlington by day, by daybreak. Underneath it on the actual book, you'll see the same kind of spread of Arlington at night. Give it a try, look. Okay, here I go. Good. You can Just see take, me doing it. And that- yep, take the cover off. Look what he did, okay. right? <laughs> like he said, he didn't have to do that, right? Not to do that. <laughs> Compared to the, the the dusk, I guess, or dawn. Dawn. They're, they're out there 20, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all kinds of weather. Now, it is true. If there is a, if there's an electrical storm, 
there's a sort of a small booth that they can move into, um, which is on which is out there on the plaza. So they are on guard duty in in that that place. But as soon as the lightning ends, they're back out. It's something that is so inspiring that they do this. And you think if I was in the shoes of the person who lost their life, I would want them to remember me this way. And it's such solace. I, I can't imagine what it's like to lose somebody and then to wonder, never, never have the headstone, never be sure. Could they be alive? It, it, it must just be absolute torture. And to be sure, as many of the many of the families would have been in the Great War, let's say, which is where the first unknown comes from. And that's where you start the book. You you start the book talking about that at the first dedication. There's all this respect paid. And then you speak in 21 Steps in that voice from the first unknown, speaking to your readers. And he says, quote, my tomb stands on a hill crest. It did not take long for visitors to come for the view and not the meaning. Some brought picnics, feasting gaily above my bones. That's pretty stark. Again, you're writing for third graders here, first and foremost, kids that age. How did you choose that first person voice? Because to me, having done my research, that's an interesting story in and of itself, how almost as if the unknown, the first unknown, starts to speak to you as an author, and then you say, that's the voice for my readers. It was an audacious choice, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> so it's not where I started. Um, my first idea, and I probably worked on this approach for close to a year, um, I thought what I would do is I would be a typical omniscient narrator. Uh, I would send a family to Washington and they would have a grade school kid. And they had a great time. They went to the White House, they went to the Capitol, they visited the FBI, the Air and Space Museum. Washington's a great city, it's just so much fun. And then on the last day of their trip, it was gonna be pounding rain and mom and dad wanted to go to Arlington and the kid protested like I don't want to go to a graveyard and the parents made the kid go they went they visited the tomb the kid went up to the amphitheater behind the the tomb to get out of the rain and met a tomb guard there coming off duty and the tomb guard shared her experience I think it was I think it was about female in my draft and, and I wrote it, and it was, it was okay. It might even have been good, but I kind of knew it wasn't good enough. And uh, I shared it with my book agent, Laura Peterson and Curtis Brown Limited, and we have, we've been working together for two or three decades at this point. And, and Laura said, Jeff, this is decent. This might even be good, but it's not good enough. <laughs> you think you can tell this a different way. And she reminded me in my first book, The Tree in the Courtyard, I told it from the point of view of a horse chestnut tree behind the secret annex where Anne Frank and her family hid during World War II. And she was like, Jeff, do you think you could write this from the point of view of the tomb? And it was like a light bulb. I was like, no, Laura, but maybe I could it from the point of view of the person and that did it because as soon as you go to first person like that your readers 
and listeners will put themselves in the shoes of the first person narrator. And the first person narrator is going to keep it reasonably simple. Okay, that uh, it just makes sense. You're trying to impart a story. So that first person narration broke the book open for me. And of course the first unknown saw everything. The first unknown was chosen. The first unknown lay in state in the Capitol. The first unknown was born through the streets of Washington in front of 150,000 people that Armistice Day in 1921. The first unknown was there for the desecration and for the posting of the guards and for watching how tomb guards seek perfection in service and memory to him. Give us now your very best, the first unknown says, and, and they do. You write in there so many things about that in such an economy of words. And that's something I always admire. I love the idea of editing things down here. You don't have 800,000 words to tell this in two volumes. So when you're talking there about, I didn't feel this was right. And I, I thought I could get it better. It's good, but not good enough. I hope people will understand the dedication that went into writing the book because you had so much respect for the subject matter. And when I heard you say in an interview that you're a perfectionist and you really don't like to read or look back at what you did before, but you can read from this book when you read to school children, for example, and you're pleased with it. I felt, I felt relieved for you. I thought, oh, great. He deserves that because you kept trying it. But it's true. I mean, I, <laughs> I have a really hard time reading aloud anything that, that I've written about. I think the other two, I think the other two picture books for kids are, very, very good, maybe even maybe even excellent. But I still, when I read them, uh, I want to take a pen. There's things I want to change. <laughs> the first book, there's a scene that I left out that I really should have put in there. Um, and, and the second book, I thought, and maybe it's a little overwritten in, in, in some sections. This one, there's not a word I would change right now. And, and you're right. To be able to tell this story in 850 words in a way that a third grader and a 30-year-old and a 93-year-old are all going to be touched and moved in different ways because of their life experiences and their histories. The 93-year-old will know some of these wars. You know, it's personal. They know people who didn't come home. The, the third grader, it's a universe that's opening up to them that maybe they didn't think about before, but they know in their heart that it's important. And if they didn't meet somebody firsthand, their grandparents wouldn't have fought in the Great War. We don't have anybody who's still surviving from that. Even the World War II generation is quite old. This brings that war to life for them. It's no longer just the war before World War II. And it's so easy because there's so much heartbreak in the Great War, so much in World War II, so much in Korea, which they call the Forgotten War. This brings those soldiers and the sacrifice home to them. And they can realize, hey, this isn't just a movie on TV. And I think that that's so much all of us. It always bugs me a little bit when something horrible will happen. Even 9-11, when I was right across the river in Hoboken and so many people were saying it was like a movie. It was like a movie. And I was thinking, no, this is real life. Movie is like, is like this. This is what real, what real life is. I, it always, I'm sure that's just me, but it always seems a little bit strange that because movies are so real to us and television is so real, we 
make that our reality and we compare reality to it. And so this was just such a, a wonderful way to do it and to get the involvement of the tomb guards. You, you mentioned there the tomb guards in your first draft speaking to that child. You played that role a little bit of the child yourself. You say in 21 Steps, the book would have been impossible without the wisdom and technical knowledge of tomb guards, past and present, historians and organizations, especially the Society of the Honor Guard, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And you mentioned one guard that I want to ask you about now, Colin Anthony, I believe is his name. And he told you he often gets asked if all the pageantry, all the discipline, all the little rules and traditions aren't just too much, if they're maybe over the top. And so I wanted to ask you about that. I know you couldn't fit that into the book. So since you were talking about editing, let's ask that now. If you had put his response in the book, what would it be? What does he say to people who think this is just too much for somebody who's That's dead so and right. gone? You're, you're completely right. Uh, there's no way I could have written that without, without the tomb guard's help. Um, I held my breath when I asked the first one for help because I knew that that guard was so knowledgeable and here I was coming in like a child as, as something of an innocent. I mean, I did my homework as much as I could um, going in and actually I encountered my first tomb guard. I drove five hours from Los Angeles up to the San Francisco Bay Area to watch a screening of a documentary about the tomb guards called The Unknowns. And uh, tomb guard Steve Shodin was, I didn't know this was gonna happen. He was presenting this, he was the host. And afterward, I went up to him and I was like, I'm thinking of writing a book on this for kids. Would you be willing to help me? I could barely get the words out. And, and he did. So Colin Anthony is one of the guards who I interviewed and uh, talked to him for almost two hours. These were all enlisted men and women, you know, no officers. And, and Colin was telling me about his youth and that how it is. Life changed when he went into the army and joined uh, the first, the uh, the third uh, infantry regiment, which is a ceremonial unit, the old guard, and then became a tomb guard. And he said, "Jeff, here's what I get asked all the time: It's like, isn't this just what I do too much? Spacing the medals one sixty fourth of an inch." keeping the hat brim two fingers above the eyes, wetting my gloves so that I hold the weapon just right, rehemming my my pants and, and, and taking apart the cuffs on my shirt and re-sewing them so you can't see that there's any uh, that there's any hem at all. And then all the 20 ones. Isn't it too much? And his answer was, you know, I think about the unknown and the unknowns gave everything. The least that I can do is my very, very best for two years. It says it all. When I heard he asked you that, I thought I'm sitting here having read your book and I'm reading 21 steps and I'm hearing the voice of this unknown from the great war i'm thinking is it enough <laughs> from i'm right. older than a child if i was a child i probably right. would because imagine how hard it is just for a child to stand still for five minutes 
I know you were also in the Bergen County, New Jersey school system. They used to take us out for those fire drills, right? And there was no talking and you would stand there and they were teaching us something very important at the time as well. And yet, oh my gosh, that was torture. If you had to stand in church or synagogue, like that, that's, that's hard to be stand there and do anything. And this is reading in front of the class to the ultimate level. And it's all really self-imposed. They say, hey, I'll take that burden, give it to me. It's just beautiful. I can't wait to go into an actual classroom as opposed to a virtual classroom and talk about this book because here's something I want to do. I'm going to bring with me one shoe, a rag, and some shoe polish. And I'm going to get <laughs> someone on the school faculty as I'm talking to polish that shoe for the 45 minutes that I'm talking. And when I'm done, I'm gonna say, you see that? Look at this shoe. It's glorious. It's not even one fifth done according to what a tomb guard would do on a day when he or she is going to walk the mat. And when I say he or she, it is he or she. You know, there have been female tomb guards. We've had black tomb guards, white tomb guards, Native Nations tomb guards, Christian, Jewish, Latino, atheist straight across America and on the mat, just Americans. You're enjoying my conversation with Jeff Gottesfeld. He's the author of 21 Steps, Guarding the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. You can visit him at jeffgottesfeldwriter.com as well as on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. The Wall Street Journal writes of 21 Steps, this work of sobering beauty begins up close. I am an unknown. I am one of many, we read. Patriotic and deeply moving, this picture book for children ages seven to 10 will be hard for parents to read aloud without tears, but that is no reason not to try. Jeff, 21 Steps will present a challenge to anybody who's moved by this great sacrifice that the unknowns each make, but also in general. And we've, we've felt moved here. I know I certainly have both reading the book and talking to you, especially if a child has lost somebody close to them that they don't see anymore at that Thanksgiving table. Or they're not there for the Seder. They're not there for birthdays and Christmas. They're, they're trapped in time, frozen in time in that wooden frame. People may be a little bit shy. Parents may not want to share this with them because they they feel, as Matt Tavares was saying, your illustrator, that, well, they're too delicate for it. So make your argument and give some advice if you don't want to argue with parents about what they read to their children. But what's your advice for sharing this story so that those children can know the men and women that are frozen in those wooden frames and no longer with them? showed them videos of 30 or 40 Zooms that I've done to schools from, from Oregon to Florida and back again of children listening and appreciating this book. I was careful with my language in this. This is not graphic in any way, uh, and nor are Matt's illustrations. You know, combat is shown, but you infer more than you have put in your face, like in a motion picture. Most of all, um, the theme is actually uplifting in the sense that you, what's important about the unknown 
is is their, their willingness to give to their country to the utmost. And and we've had this now for generations. We have thousands of unknown soldiers from the revolution, uh, civil war. A quarter of all the men who fell in battle were buried unknown. World War One, World War Two, Korea, uh, and then the tomb guards. I believe parents will spark to the values that tomb guards have and which are underscored both in the text and in the illustration. The idea of reverence and gratitude and appreciation and self-effacement and humility and love, these are values we want our children to have. Key, all of these things, you said 850 words and I don't think it's an exaggeration to say you could change a child's life here by handing them a copy of 21 Steps. That's certainly how they look at the world. And as part of that mission at jeffgottesfeldwriter.com, you have a discussion guide about 21 Steps. People can go there. You can download it as a PDF and check it out. What will teachers and homeschooling parents find there to enhance that experience of not just reading this book and putting it away and forgetting about the bunny in the floppy hat or the cat in the hat, but really internalizing and understanding the lessons, what those image means, what the dedications mean. You know what I think? Ultimately, it comes down to this. The United States, we're a unique experiment here. And like some experiments, it sometimes goes awry, um, but that doesn't make it any less unique or important. Um, we're based in this country on a social compact. We haven't always upheld it, but that doesn't make the compact any less important. We're not like the French, you know, where there's an ethnicity, you know, or, or like the Moroccans where there's an ethnicity or the Italians where there's ethnicity or the Greeks. We come from everywhere. We buy into a contract called the constitution and we, at our best, buy into a system of mutual support where an Oklahoma farmhand is going to be supporting a New York City teacher and vice versa. And this book, sideways way, makes that point and gives teachers and, and parents an opportunity to talk about history. You know, I, I'm not so young anymore. When I was in grade school in Teaneck in the 1960s, it was the Civil War that was 100 years ago. And to me, that could have been ancient history. For the kids now, World War I was more than 100 years ago. And sure. it's just as ancient history. So this book, by connecting kids to the First World War, Second World War, Korean War, underscores that freedom is not free. It takes a big commitment to hold it and to help secure it for ourselves and for other countries. And that there is a reason, despite our country's checkered history in many areas, there's a reason to be proud of what we're doing here. I wanted to ask you two things about children. So I'll combine them and you can pick or you can answer them both. One is that in 21 Steps, you have the unknown saying how, how he's not alone anymore. He can hear the footsteps. And that's something children are very afraid of. Usually we grow out of that. You don't like to be alone. And that was a perfect thing to include there. 
And also the second thing was children like to solve a mystery. They are inquisitive by nature. They need to learn about the world. And I wonder if any of them say to you, well, why don't they do DNA testing? Why don't they try harder to identify them? And obviously you're not gonna go into the, the details of exactly why this is impossible. But for instance, with the Vietnam War, there was a Vietnam War unknown and they did identify him. He had been interred there in the tomb of the unknowns. He turned out to be an airman, was returned to his family. What would you say to both of those things? It's better for the unknown to be unknown. And I, I have no doubt that, it, that the military, if they could identify him, what's even more important would be to return somebody to their family. They make massive effort to do that. And there is actually still a unit which is trying to identify people who were buried in Europe after World War I, 104 years ago. We're trying, we're trying to pick that. In the unknown being mysterious, in the unknown being any walk of life, any race, any religion, uh, any state, um, it's better because we can all embrace that unknown equally. And, and kids, kids get that too. Um, they, they, see after they finish this book and they understand that this tomb is for everybody in our nation's capital uh, equally and it stands for something that we don't talk about that much but which is crucially important and something so unifying as well and bringing that home to us i isn't it to, yes. yeah and, and so which is strange you don't think of that have, but... you, have, you been, have you been when, when yes Right? Not, not since way before this. Talk about your experience there. It's extraordinary. Well, the person that I went with had, did something interesting and said, walk with me, I'm, I'll cover your eyes. And I thought, okay. So I listened. I walked, I followed. And then when I was standing right in front of there, removed his hands and said, behold it, like, and see them standing there. And... It, to me, it was like the abruptness of, of what the, the deaths often felt like. Certainly in the Great War, if you have a, a shell dropped on you, it was just, I, I didn't realize aware that we were getting to that point. I knew that it was there, but that was that first point where somebody just was showing it to me and wanted, wanted it to have that impact. And it's almost like you're looking at a photo, right? Because the guards aren't moving. It was one of the, one of the 21 second pauses. So just in a, an amazing spot. I, I never forgot it. That's one reason when I got that email, I said, a book on this place that's so special. You take a little piece of it with you. It may sound cliche, but it, it's really true. You know, there's something kind of sacred and hallowed about it. You know, and I always think of uh, battlefields as hallowed ground, but the tomb, it, there's no such thing as a short visit to the tomb of the unknown soldier. And there's no such thing as a short visit to a national cemetery. I've never talked to anybody who's made a quick hit and then moved on. Because you go there and you're taken in by the power of the place. It's almost religious in, in that sense. You're there and you are in the, in the thralls of something so much bigger than you uh, with power. You didn't anticipate, and if you're there with 5,000 people on a beautiful bluebird day, um, it, it's almost like being in the theater 
where your energy melds with the energy of the people around you. And you're part of an overall experience of 5,000 people at the tomb of the unknown soldier. If you're there in pounding rain and you're the only one solitary, you feel like a soldier, you know, out there by yourself on a mission. Hold this, right? I, I want you to hold this position, your sergeant tells you. And you're like, how long? And he says, it doesn't matter, hold it. And then you realize what's going to happen. And you're going to do it anyway, because that's your obligation as, as being a soldier. So whether there's one person on the plaza or for your visit or 5,000, it doesn't matter. One person in a national cemetery or 5,000, it doesn't matter. These are powerful. We have time for one final question. So yeah. I'll ask you to make your pitch to parents because certainly I can tell them and I do tell them at least think about it. Go click around, <laughs> go to the website, watch the video if you're not currently watching on YouTube. You'll, you'll be swept away with how important this book is. But for anyone listening on Memorial Day or any time, why should they pick up this book and walk these 21 steps, get to know why the guards do what they do to honor the nameless fallen? Not that many books now about contemporary America and the best of contemporary America. Um, if you want your kids to love their country and to see what we're capable of, this is the book. If you want your kids to be better connected to American history, this is the book. If you want them to look at role models for themselves in the Unknown Soldier and the Tomb Guard, this is the book. Your kids will read this book. They will have learned something super important and I believe they will be inspired to be better individuals and better family members, community members, and better Americans. Well, Jeff Gottesfeld, that's something your book definitely does deliver, all those things. That could sound like empty boasting, but if you doubt him, pick up a copy of 21 Steps. And we're having a really fun interview today. Thank you so much for that. It may be surprising. I was checking myself a little bit and saying, wait, is some of this joking about being from the same little towns in New Jersey? Is that is that disrespectful? But they didn't sacrifice so that we could spend Memorial Day all being dour and being sad, but we should at least remember them, remember their sacrifice. This is why we enjoy the freedoms and liberties that we do. And it's up to us to carry on the ideals that they fought for. As you've mentioned here, so many of them have, have failed. So many of our ideas have failed. We've, we've not always lived up to it, but we aim for that more perfect union. So thank you so much, Jeff Gottesfeld. Thank you to your illustrator, Matt Tavares, for bringing this story to life. So much part of our national heritage. I wish you the best of luck with 21 Steps. And I really appreciate you allowing me to play some small part in honoring the debt that we owe to our nation's nameless war dead. Any thanks for having me on here. It was a really terrific conversation. I'm very grateful for your preparation and, and for the quality of the questions you asked. Thank you. Have a meaningful Memorial Day. Thank you. And you too, sir. Thank you. Be well. Again, the book is 21 Steps, Guarding the Tomb 
of the Unknown Soldier. As always, you can find the Amazon link to purchase your copy at the HistoryAuthor.com page for this episode. By buying a book through us, you help keep the flux capacitor on our time machine humming like usual. I really appreciate Jeff Gottesfeld joining us for this very special episode. Special because it's Memorial Day weekend, and when I saw the cover of this book, when I heard what it was about, I said, hey, I'm going to take a break from my vacation because I was on vacation this week, and I'm going to do this interview and produce up a nice video for all of you folks because, honestly, it's the least that I can do to honor these men and women who fall in battle and they don't even have a headstone. Even their name is taken away from them. So when we talk about honoring them, there's really not enough that any of us can do to say thank you and remember their sacrifices. They namelessly paid the ultimate price. Find our guest at jeffgottesfeldwriter.com, as well as on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You can find me on all of those as well, plus on our YouTube channel, where I hope you enjoyed watching this episode and you'll want to subscribe for future conversations. That's it for this installment of the History Author Show. I hope you'll join us for our next all-new interview right here on iHeartRadio or wherever you're hearing my voice right now. Until our next trip into the past together, on behalf of Jeff Gottesfeld and Matt Tavares, the illustrator, thanks so much for time traveling with us today, and have a great week. We still call it Broadway, but what's in a name? Take it from Georgie, it isn't the same. On the east side, west side, things ain't like before. There are tears 